Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Financial Flex with Lex. Today's episode kicks off the home ownership series. Owning a home is a dream for a lot of us, but many of us have no idea where to even start. Over the next couple of weeks, I'll be talking to young homeowners and real estate agents about the market and their personal experiences. The goal for this series is to answer any questions that you may have about home ownership. So if you have any that you'd like answered on the show, feel free to send me a DM on Instagram. The Instagram handle for the show is Financial Flex Podcast, or you can shoot an email to financialflexpodcast at gmail.com. On today's show, we have Aisha Schultz-Spradlin. I've known Aisha since college. We actually met during sorority recruitment. Her and her husband currently live in Detroit, Michigan with their super adorable puppies. It's been almost one year since they've purchased their first home together. Um, On the episode, we discussed the moment she knew it was time to buy, the housing crisis currently going on in Detroit, and being a first-time homeowner as well as a first-time homeowner and her family. As always, if you enjoy this episode, please don't forget to leave a five-star rating and a review. All right, let's get on with today's episode. So my name is Aisha Schultz-Bradlin. I live in Detroit, Michigan. I've lived here for about three years now, three years and some change. Um, And I've been a homeowner for a year coming up in November, which I'm really proud about. (laughs) That's awesome. So this episode is going to be about home ownership. Um, I think that's a topic that many of us are interested in because we obviously we want to be homeowners eventually, but some of us have literally no idea on like how to go about the home ownership process. When did you realize that it was like time to become a homeowner and stop renting? Yeah, so pretty much um, in Detroit, it's like a big um, push for younger people or just people who have like uh, moved into the Detroit area are just like long-term residents to own homes because when there was that big flea in Detroit, there's all these homes that are available and they've got a lot of land and just homes that need to be renovated. So we always knew we wanted to buy a home. It was just a matter of like trying to price it out. So we have been looking for a home for the last two years. um, And it was just literally from the first year to the second year, houses like skyrocketed in price. And so we started to get really discouraged and we're like, all right, well, we're pretty much at a standstill when it comes to housing. Um, Either we're going to have to save a lot more money for a down payment or we're going to have to like switch careers or something like that to be able to afford a house. Um, And then, so we were just going to resign our lease to stay in our apartment. But then our landlord was like, well, we're going to raise the rent by another $200. And we're like, okay, like one, we're not, we had planned on staying without our roommate now because our roommate had moved out of the country. And we're like, we can't afford this on our own. Um, So then it became a matter of like needing to find um, housing, period, (laughs) before like that happened. Um, And I hate moving. So I was like, well, we might as well just like go back into the house hunt. So while we started looking for houses, um, one of these affordable homes came up, and pretty much it was a part of a housing program that was in Detroit that, um, and still going on in Detroit that allowed people who made a certain amount of income, it had to be 45000 or less if it was a two-person um, household, to buy these homes that were, like, bracketed towards that uh, 
median income. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, we I, that's like our income. I can totally do that. So I came to see the house, and like everything just worked out perfectly. And now here we are. And, <laughs> here, and here you are. Percentage wise, mm-hmm. how much more or less did you pay in rent as opposed to like right now uh, just having a mortgage? Um, I would say in rent we pay like thirty percent more than we do now. Um, so not even just like how much our mortgages, but just like overall cost of like being like a renter compared to even having our home now, mm-hmm. because thankfully like we had to have renters insurance when we were there and then we had to pay for our water and a couple of utilities that are kind of like wrapped into our mortgage with our house here. So like our homeowners insurance is wrapped into our mortgage. Um, and yeah, it, it's a lot cheaper, like 30%. Was being a homeowner something that you've a goal that you've always wanted to achieve or did rent going up kind of just force your hand in a sense to make the move? Yeah, so it was a little bit of both, right? It was the fact that, yeah, we've always wanted a home and the rent increase was like that forced our hand because it was pretty much, all right, well, if I'm going to spend, so with that rent increase, our rent would have jumped to almost 1500 a month um, for a very dated home. Like, granted, it was, like, a duplex. Like, our landlord lived on one side, and we had the other side, and it was, like, a full house. It was still very dated, um, and a lot of things did not work in the house. And I was like, I'm not going to pay $1,500 a month for something that I don't own. That, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, this money is going in a pit. Like, and I even going back into the place that I lived to make me feel more comfortable is going into his pocket. So I was like, if I'm going to spend money on, like, at least that much money, on living someplace, it needs to be mine. No, that definitely makes sense. When you guys made the decision to start the home hunting process a second time, how were you able to save for a down payment on your home? So thankfully, we have been saving money for a while. Just like when we were saying, when I first moved here, we were saying about my now husband's parents. So that's when we were able to save a small portion of our down payment and then uh, my husband got, like, a large sum of money because he was, like, in a car accident. Mm-hmm. So, um, through that process, we were able to have enough for a down payment. Gotcha. I know in the beginning of our conversation, you mentioned how Detroit is implementing this affordable home. Like, I don't... I, I want to call it like Affordable Home Act, and I'm sure that's like not the name for it. But can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so, like I said earlier, like, in Detroit, it's very much... Um, promoted and very much encouraged that people become homeowners because of the abundant homes that need to be renovated in the area. So they have been doing a lot of work, working with developers, and the city has been putting in money and working with a lot of foundations to develop grants towards housing because there's a huge housing crisis as well in the city of Detroit, which is kind of like strange because you have a house with all of these homes available, but still a severe housing crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, and it all comes down to people not being able to afford the homes that exist already or to even afford to rent in these places um, because there's a big um, gap in just assistance towards that. Um, as well as work um, for people to be able to afford to own homes. So what the city said is, like, since we're promoting this so much, since this is something we really want and we have all this space, um, and one of the big issues with having, like, all these abandoned homes is, like, squatters. You have, like, homes burning down. I'm not sure if you're familiar with, like, the fires that happened in Detroit, but that had a lot to do with, like, people squatting in homes, like, during the winters because winters are horrible here. Mm -hmm. And, like, not having – so them having, like, fire pits and then, like, burning down a whole block. So they really wanted to try everything they could to stop that from happening. So what they did was 
meet with developers, foundations, community leaders, all of these people to see what is the best way that we can assist with people owning homes. And they set up, they, um, the city created this kind of like bid out. And they sent this bid out um, and had a whole bunch of investors um, submit proposals that pretty much stated how they would be able to help with the housing crisis. One of the developers was the Fitz Forward um, and Century Forward organization and corp. And so it's like a developer, it's a developer as well as a, it has a nonprofit arm to it as well. Um, and so they approached them, they wind up winning the proposal and pretty much their layout for addressing the housing crisis was we're going to develop this large area, uh, which is the Fitzgerald area. So it's only about like, I would say a 20 block radius, but it's like in a very unique area because it's between two universities and one on one of the most major uh, streets in Detroit, which is Livernoy. So it's an area that really needs to be revitalized and revitalized to really boost the economy in Detroit. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was such a focus on revitalizing this area in particular. And so they proposed that they would not only revitalize the homes and rebuild homes, um, but they would also like build things in neighborhoods that would help the community, such as like dog parks, um, playgrounds. Um, they have like a brilliant Detroit house that helps young people with schooling. Um, and they were also on top of not only making homes like redoing these homes, renovating these homes, and um, having them sold in the, community, in the community to boost the economy, as well as at fair market value. They also wanted to make sure that people who lived in the community already could afford the homes. Mm-hmm. So that's why they created the affordable housing, like, in the area, which pretty much says if you are a person that has a disability, if you are a person who makes under 45000 if you're a two-person household, it has, like, different brackets for, like, you know, if you're one person, two person, three person, um, then you are eligible to apply to, you know, try and own this home, but only those people for these amount of homes. And I think it's like 10 homes in the neighborhood out of the 50 or 100 houses that they're doing. Um, and so when we saw that, we were able, we were like, hey, we're going to take, take them up on that offer. Mm-hmm. So I will say um, now that we have, like, we're almost a year into owning the home and we've talked to a lot of the community members, I will say that um, affordable to, like, our demographic with like me and my husband who are both like college educated with degrees and have like careers, et cetera. Yes. Affordable to the people who actually live here. No, mm-hmm. that's like the only issue. So what's happening to those people who aren't able to afford those homes anymore? They're pretty much being like pushed out. So either they are um, with like a lot of shady cons, like a lot of people are renting in this area and there's a lot of, so Detroit, like I said, Detroit has a housing crisis. So there are a lot of like shady deals going on where people were allowing people to rent to own, but then wasn't like following up on the last part, which is actually like moving forward with them owning the actual home. So a lot of people in the na- this neighborhood in particular are stuck in situations like that, or they're it, like just renting houses that are like dilapidated and have like, you know, crappy <laughs> landlords, mm. um, or they're like, so. They do own the home, but they're behind on their taxes. So there's a lot of, like, tax programs that the city has rolled out to help with that, but, like, still missing a lot of access for people to be able to really utilize those services. Um, So it's just, like, a mod podge of different things. There's um, The only thing I would say is that the homes that are abandoned in the neighborhood are owned by Fitz Forward, so they're boarded up and they're just being waited on to be redeveloped. And so there's another 
like portion where they gave like a small amount of homes to another developer because there were these people that live in Delray, which is like a city not too far from Detroit, that are being displaced because they're putting a bridge literally where their homes are. So mm-hmm. they gave them these homes, um, this developer, these homes to be able to revitalize to pretty much transport them over here. So areas like Atlanta, Brooklyn, um, they're experiencing gentrification. So I'm wondering if you're seeing the same thing in Detroit with, you know, like like you just said, uh, you and your husband being able to afford certain houses, but then the original people who are living there are kind of being pushed out. Yes, I would definitely say gentrification is something we see, but I would say it's a lot different than what you would see in areas like Brooklyn or Atlanta. It's a very, it's like a mass type of gentrification because they're trying to, a lot of the programs are for, you know, are promoting like people who already live in the community to be able to own these homes. But then I'm not from the community. Like I moved here from Pennsylvania and I, you know, am very new to the area. So if we're saying that we're making these homes affordable for community members, that's not truly accurate. And then especially with the, a lot of the tax issues that go on too, there's a, a lot, just a lot, a lot of issues with that. Mm-hmm. So granted, I would say there's a lot of gentrification going on. It wouldn't be like your typical, a whole bunch of like white people are moving in. It's like a very strategic type of gentrification, if I might say to myself. When you, when you and your husband were going through, through the process of, of buying a home, did you ever think about that, like the housing recession, like back in 07, 08? I know we were like both pretty young, probably in like, element, like elementary school, middle school around that time. Were you ever scared or nervous to, to be a homeowner just because of like that impact? To be quite honest, like you said, we were pretty young when that was going on. And when I was weighing the options between being a renter and what I was gaining and losing and being a homeowner, what I was gaining and losing, it was worth the risk, in my opinion, because at the end of the day, like, I would own my house, whereas when I'm renting, like, anything could happen and, like, my landlord could kick me out, especially with it being in the state of Michigan, it's legal to not rent to LGBTQ people and me being a queer person. Mm -hmm. Like, that's always been something that's, like, been on my mind, right? Like, I, and that was something very new to me, because like I said, I'm from New Jersey and Pennsylvania, where it's both illegal for you to not rent to people based off their identity. Mm-hmm. So it just, all signs pointed to me owning a home as being the best option for me. Um, and granted, I was really scared about like the home owning process and the mortgage process, because it's not something they teach you. And then even more so when you get involved in it, it's like a lot more that goes to it as well. And so it was a very scary process, but in the end, it's like, this is my house. Like, you know, like every day I wake up in here and I'm like, no one's going to tell me to leave. Like I like own this. Like mm-hmm. there's such like a power in that. And I don't really, I always kind of like granted, like my family has never owned a home, right? Like I come from a family of straight renters. So I knew that like, I didn't have anyone to be like, Hey, like this is what this experience is going to be like. Um, or even know what it's like to live in a space as a young person that my family owned. Mm-hmm. So was a big deal for me to be able to wake up and own my house and so I never had anyone to really explain like how that feeling would feel so like even a year we're coming up almost on a year of owning our home I still wake up like damn this is ours like we could be as loud as we want here no one can say anything to us I can paint these walls like just think about being able to renovate my house and like the how much more I can make off of it because right now my house is 
like worth ninety thousand. But with everything that's going on in this neighborhood, us buying like the plots of land that are next to us, we're going to be closing on those by the end of this month and owning three plots of land. Next wow! To us. Congrats. Work a lot of money. Um, they're <laughs> investing a lot of money into this neighborhood. A lot of foundations are coming here. A lot of companies are coming here. So it's like either I rent and my landlord can continue to raise the rent on me and make money off of me. And at the end of the day, like I'm not getting anything out of this relationship, but a house, like a roof over my head, but shelter, or I can, you know, risk it. And like, yeah, owning a home is risky. And like, at the end of the day, like if anything happens, I'm responsible. So even I was saying to my husband, like we had Jack, like, you know, the yellow jacket flying, like things outside. And I was like, damn, like, what do we do? Like, th- like this is so annoying. He's like, well, we have to call an exterminator. And I was like, dad, like, we have to do that. <laughs> Where normally, like, you would tell your landlord, like, hey, like, this is a problem. I need you to fix this. Mm-hmm. So granted, like, there are those, th- those moments that are kind of just, like, annoying and just, like, you know, upkeep. At the end of the day, it's my land. <laughs> like, in my house. And, like, I'm building generational wealth for my family through it. I do want to touch on you being like a first generation homeowner what does that what does that mean to you um it means a lot i mean especially when my mom came and like she was like well she was with me through the whole process she still lives in pennsylvania so i would send her photos and stuff like that but when she actually came to my house like during the week i was getting married and i got to say like wow like this is the house i got married in my mom was here and she like cried and it was a really (laughs) emotional moment because like she's never owned a home and so Mm -hmm. like She's are said to me, like, you know, you're breaking generational curses. Like, wow. no one in our family has ever owned a home. Like, my grandmother passed, my mom was three. My oldest um, aunt, which is my mom's oldest sister, is the one who raised all of them, and there was 11. My mom's number 11 of 12. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, so, and even she rented. So, this was a, a really big deal for us. Yeah, my mom was really proud of me, and that kind of made it even more full-circle moment for me because it's one thing to say, well... I'm building generational wealth for my family, you know, this is something that I own, whatever, but it's one thing to have, like, my mom be proud of me and, like, literally say to me, I'm breaking generational curses and be able to look back and say, wow, that is something that I can now pass on to my kids. Like, they'll know what it's like to have a space that is theirs and not have to worry about being silenced, and I think that's a very important thing, especially for me as a black woman, a black queer person, Mm -hmm. um, and raising, you know, going to be raising biracial children because my husband's white. Like, I don't want them to ever feel like like, they don't deserve to be in a space. And mm-hmm. I think that starts at home. And the fact that I can say, like, they're like, this is my room. I can paint it any color I want. Like, that's going to give them a certain level of security in their life that'll mm-hmm. help them throughout all different aspects of life. Oh, my gosh. I, I literally have chills. Wow. That's... Yeah. It, yeah, it's, it's very emotional. Oh, my gosh. I, I get emotional about it, too, because it's a big deal for me. Yeah. No, but that's I, I think that's, like, such an amazing thing. It's a powerful thing for your mom to, like, recognize, like, how big of a deal this is for you. And just for you knowing that, like, oh, my gosh, like, I've broken, like, a generational curse. And, like, that's, like, major. So it's, like, you just, like, change, like, the entire trajectory of, yeah, my family uh, line. Yeah, your family line. That's like, that's like, oh my gosh, I have chills. That's amazing. I want to ask you, do you believe that every millennial should strive towards home ownership? Or are there other ways people can still invest? Not necessarily in a house, but um, something else where they can make passive income because I think a lot of the ideology behind buying a home is that 
you're putting money into it and eventually someday you'll get money out of it like it's an investment right um and so a lot of people um kind of position it that way do you think that millennial every millennial should strive towards home ownership or can they invest in other in in other ways so i definitely like believe there's definitely other ways you can invest right like I invest in stocks, I invest in CDs or like, you know, funds, all these types of things. There's so many different ways you can invest. But I do think that um, we have come like a long way with a lot of people, uh, especially thinking about how just our generation, the millennial generation, how their funding is for me to say like, you should strive for that because I know how hard it is. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, we had a lot of different approaches that allowed us to be able to own a home. For me to say that every millennial should strive towards it, I feel like that's a, like a very strong statement for me to make knowing and being very aware of the realities of life and how difficult that really is. But if I'm thinking like in an investment way, definitely, because at the end of the day, space is an invaluable resource. Like there's only so much space on earth, right? So mm-hmm. that's how a lot of people make money is like, especially when you're thinking of, you know, how hospitality is the hospitality market is changing as well. So you're thinking about Airbnbs, you're thinking about how people travel. People are no longer staying in like five-star hotels. Mm -hmm. People are looking to do kind of home rentals or save money where they can so that they can take these extravagant trips because we are a generation um, coming from, you know, student loan poverty. Mm -hmm. So when you're thinking about it that way, space is very, a very big investment. Um, And so I know that for me and my husband, we think that the best way to grow generational wealth is through investing not only homes but land. Um, so one of our things is the reason why we bought the like the three lots or are going to be purchasing our three lots is because we're actually thinking about putting a tiny home on one of our lots and having it as an Airbnb rental. And so since we know that Detroit is going to be a very like place that a very uh, what is it a very attractive place for people to travel to with um, our medical marijuana and then that now leading to um, being legal marijuana everywhere for everyone um, in 2020, we know that it's going to be a place that people want to come to. So we're trying to really capitalize on that and have like a bed and breakfast or something like that. So I definitely think it's something that millennials should look into if they're trying to like build generational wealth, because even if you did like a situation where you like uh, bought a home, renovated and flipped it, you're still going to make money off of that too. Mm-hmm. Or if you rent, you know, had a rental there's a lot of universities if you bought homes like around this area um and said okay well i'm gonna or another situation that me and my husband are doing like on our other piece of land we're going to build a garage and have a mother-in-law apartment above it so that we can have a rental for you know any students in the area so Mm -hmm. i just think that it's definitely a way to have just a lot of passive income like i just yeah i would totally if that's if they're looking at it in towards an investment way, I would definitely say home ownership is the way, or at least buying land, renovating, stuff like that. Yeah. So last question, um, if you could give like a listener who's, you know, maybe thinking about buying a home in the near future, what's one piece of advice that you may not have gotten starting out your home buying journey that you would want them to know? Ooh, um, make sure your credit is A1. Like, everyone talks about how important credit is and, you know, like, the import, but they always talk about it in a lens of, like, credit cards and not racking up all of debt or, like, student loans. But your credit score, it matters 
so much during the home buying process. Like even a change in one point, like while you're going through the mortgage process can completely derail your whole thing. So a couple of things that I would say about, you know, monitoring your credit scores, make sure you have like either, and I have an account with Equifax where I'm able to constantly check my credit score and see all the activity on my credit report. I would highly suggest like investing in that just for the simple fact of like hackers too, but also because you can see like you can dispute things. I didn't know I can dispute things off my credit report. And there were things on there that I was like, this has nothing to do with me. I don't even know what this is. And you can dispute it. And if they find that, yeah, this doesn't seem right either, it'll get taken off your credit report and your credit score can rise. So I would definitely say have a credit reporting um, agency or account that you're signed into that you can constantly um, check on your credit score and your report. Um, always keep a minimum, you know, a small, less than 20% on your credit cards because that greatly affects your credit score as well if you're over how much or if you have more than 20% utilized on your credit, it will definitely tank your credit score. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing I would say is if you can get those, like you'll be a part of, um, like a, even if you're a part of like some student loan repayment program, they still count all of your student loan debt regardless, which is something they don't say and which is a huge problem because say, for example, you're paying $16, you know, a month, which is like, Godson, if you're paying that much on your student loans, but like say you're part of a student loan payment program that's allowing you to pay $16 a month on your student loans, they'll have to count it as if you're paying a larger portion of that, like the normal portion. So say the normal portion would be like 300 and that greatly affects the type of home that you can afford based on the amount. So then that takes you from being able to afford like a $250,000 house, which is like, I don't know, a four bedroom, three bath, like huge space to a ninety-two, $55,000 home. Because that it affects how much you can afford a month to pay on your mortgage. Because they're counting that as you, instead of you paying sixteen dollars, they're counting it as you paying three hundred dollars. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, I think those are all. I think those are all very good good tips for future home buyers, first time home buyers to know yeah um but thank you so much for taking the time out to chat with me about home ownership i've learned a lot and i'm sure our listeners have too 